Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nugget burger of sundae voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast, which may turn into an Alayton Baines appreciation podcast depending on the uh, journey of today's discussion. Uh, I'm Phil Kirkbride, the Everton reporter, and I'm joined by Adam Jones and Gav Buckland. We're around the table today to look back at Brighton uh, and all of the issues that have risen from that game. Largely positive, but obviously one significant potential negative, and that of course is Gilfie Sigurdsson and his injury Doubts, fears, worries that have grown since the news dropped yesterday that he had to have a scan on Monday evening to determine the true extent of a knee injury. Um, but we'll come on to that. Um, Gav, we'll start with you. Um, we'll, we'll not dwell on Brighton City, yeah. which was a couple of days ago now, and everybody's uh, still reveling in the <laughs> asking in the glory of a victory. But you mentioned something before we started recording that was a wider point of, of, of the day as a whole and that was atmosphere yeah yeah which I said to you during, during the course of the game um, that first of all I thought it was a vital win big game vital win um, for lots of different reasons um, on the back of the the Burnley game and the fallout from that which we you know we, we covered last week has been covered um, I was one eye on the or one ear on the, on the atmosphere on mm. Saturday and I said to you during, I think during yeah. the first half that I felt that was one of the best atmospheres certainly for Saturday for the season, you know, during the season, and I think there was a couple of reasons for that. I think first of all, I thought we played well. Yeah, you know, not not you know, top four well, but compared to what we played so far this season, I thought we performed well, we passed the ball well, we had a nice shape, a bit of pace, uh, and I think that was the one reason. The second thing was the um, the return, obviously, of Leighton Baines, um, Jags, and uh, with Seamus there mm. as well. I think that gave everybody like a, a reason to sort of not celebrate, but you know. A, a feeling of well-being, yes, uh, which has not necessarily been there uh, over the last twelve months, and I think it was the first time for twelve months that Baines and Coleman and, and Jags had all started, and I think that combined with the good start uh, meant that you know I thought the crowd were, were, were excellent and got behind the team, and uh, it was a generally positive day apart from our bit from the the odd injury, uh, which we'll cover later. Adam, what do you think that the the atmosphere was down to? Gav has mentioned, and rightly, there was a, it was a, it was a fairly positive performance, and, and they deserved to get the win. And, and, and there was lots of tempo in, in in patches. But do you also think maybe there was a sense that the the, the, the Goodison felt, you know, that we need this victory, so we have to play a part. And given the nastiness of last week, let's get behind the players. They may not be getting, getting behind Sam, but. Let's get behind the team because we need this. Mm. I think both sides help each other in that sense. Like if we'd have if we'd have started the match slowly, then maybe we would have seen a different kind of atmosphere from Goodison because we've all seen that type of game before, especially well too much over the last like two or three seasons perhaps. I think as Gav says, Everton started the game so well on the front foot. We were 
we were definitely trying to get at Brighton right from the get-go. And that's what the Everton fans want to see. They reward the players for that. The players then reward them. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a nice balancing act when you, when you get when it gets right like that. Was, was Saturday almost, in a sort of a microcosm, a lesson to whoever will be manager next season? Now, regardless of who that is, and we've, we've discussed that long yeah. and hard, and we won't, <laughs> we won't go into that, but whoever is in the dugout, come August or whatever, is that a lesson to them in terms of the type of football that Goodison will yeah. respond to? I think I think there's this whether it's a myth or not is a separate uh, separate debate that for 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 the team to perform well, certainly at Goodison it needs to have that as one thing with the crowd, you know, and that's certainly Moyes the Moyes era. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But certainly I think Moyes got it's Moyes' best team got onto that, that they performed well when there was that sort of um that, that relationship with, with the crowd and, and, and you feed off each other it's like an iterative process that isn't it and uh, I think any ma- I think well you would hope any manager where the sort would know about that anyway mm. you know, about the club but I think so it's, it, but it's easy for a manager to maybe in a platitude type of way um, make him make it known that he is aware of that and say all the right things but it's maybe it's maybe having a manager with the with the same belief and yeah, actually yeah. wanting to play that type of football well uh, yeah I mean to gen- I mean, it probably goes for a lot of clubs, but if if you were if you were the Everton manager now or going forward in the past, the one thing you'd say is you've got to show the crowd here mm. who know the football, you know that that, that, that actually you, you care and you you put the shift in and they'll they'll react to that. Yeah. What they won't react to is actually and there's one or two players this season who've been victim of this as we aware is you're not not putting the shift in and you don't look as though you care, and I think. That works both collectively as individuals and as a team as, as a whole. And I think if you were if you were an Everton manager, you would, and, and that's always been the case going back to the Harry Catsick days, you would have that high up on the list of this is what I want to do, mm. as, as you know, with my with, with with the Everton team. And I think um, everybody benefits from that. And it was really, it was really good to see on on Saturday. For me, it was the most enjoyable game of the season. Yes. Um, to be honest with you, for lots of different reasons. Um, so yeah, I think you would you would want you would want you would look at that and think yeah, this is what I need to do. Add um, subplot if you like to the to the wider positive atmosphere, and, and as Gav says, many would say that was the best atmosphere at Goodison this season. Was the reception that Davy Classen received, both when warming up from that corner of the Gladys, and when he came on near the end. Um, were you in any way surprised by that level of reaction? Not particularly. I think. I think. It, seen. I've seen a lot of people comment and saying, you know, he has. He hasn't really shown in his performances that why he's got that level of reception. But I think it's very much the same situation as Umani has in, in a lot of ways. Like his his attitude has always been there. Everyone said he's working his socks off in training. It's just not come off for him yet in the league. And Everton fans just love to hear that he's he's just he's trying his best, and I think that's why he got the reception that he did. And it, it, I think I feel like he'll get those receptions as well for the next like if he comes on the next few weeks. You now, if he progresses, which we all hope he does, to be honest, mm. I don't think anyone wants to see him fail. No. So, no, I'm not particularly surprised by his reception at all. Kev, what, what, why do we love an underdog at Goodison so much? Strackwellersy. Not a great player, but my God, was he a trier? Yeah, yeah. Umani Ashley, um, Davy Classen. 
why, what, what is it about these players that I'm sure other clubs have them but obviously we can only speak about, about Everton and, and what we see and feel and hear at, at Goodison there's a, there's a special place in, yeah. in, in particularly in the Gladys Street's heart for players of this ilk yeah but I think there's two there's two things for that I think first of all it goes back to refer to my previous point about people like to see players trying hard yeah. Yeah. and I think sometimes and I don't want to say careful how I phrase this sometimes we see individuals like that are somehow reflecting Everton within the world of football like that Everton are like when you see the top six of the wealth that they've, they've had mm. compared to us prematurely that actually in some respects they they reflect Everton's place in the, the football hierarchy you forget about history and all that but you know you know how much incongenually like the top six have in revenues compared to Everton you know certainly not seen up until a couple of years ago anyway and I think sometimes they symbolise that that this is what Everton needed to do and again Moyes got onto that with, with the plays he picked he, he got onto that really well um, and, uh, and it's, but I think it's always been the case going back to plays I remember watching the 70s and 80s who weren't very good but people people liked them uh, because they, they tried hard So Gav is that, you know? is that a, a wider cultural and scouting issue that yes Everton have now got money and yeah. Moisey wasn't able to go and buy superstar players anyway, so he had, so he had to look at characteristics and qualities yeah. in people. But does that have to filter into the meetings this this summer and, and in the months with whoever's director of football, whoever's the manager? Going, you're going to get more out of certain type of character. Yeah. Yes, we've got the money to go and spend forty or fifty million quid on a player, but actually, what's what's he about personally, and is he? Will the crowd relate to him? Yeah. Therefore, do we get a result because of that? Yeah, I mean, that, that's been interesting to hear, Adam. Obviously, different areas and stuff, but you always need to do that as a football club. I mean, Howard did that, you know, in his glory days. I say Moyes did that. Is One of the accusations made of our buying policy over the last couple of years is actually maybe that element of it's been neglected, that actually we've just gone out and... Maybe not a scattergun approach, but maybe we could have could have done our homework a little bit more in de- in detail. But having said that, we have been in a bit of a rush, haven't we, to, to become to be, you know to get near the, the top table in the game, haven't we? Really, yeah. which is something we said. But remember when the Machiri money came in two years ago? We said, didn't we, that we have like this this very narrow window yes. to sort of really push on before the game changes again and whatever. And I think that's been reflected in our buying policy over the last two or three years. That actually we've been prepared maybe to take a chance on players to get to get them in mm. in the door, so we can at least make a go at go of it rather than taking a step back. And you know we know what Moises, you know, the good that we got to stick for it was a very sort of uh, valuable attribute of really doing your homework. Mm. But he bought himself that time. And yeah. I don't think Ronald didn't have that time, and I don't think Ronald's successor maybe will, will have that time. Moise was able to almost look into the whites of the guy's eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Julian Lescott, I can't remember how many scouts he did. Some almost alien to modern football. Yeah, times to himself, you know. So, um, and I'm sure it was the same, you know, for, for the likes of uh, for Jags as well, you know. So he really did his homework. I don't think we can do that now, and I think the place to pay for that is you, you get some players actually, you know, what you think. Really fancies this. Mm. On the other side of the coin, though, you get some quality players who come through, like Gilfie Sigurdsson, who will consistently be, you know, he'll cover the most yards out of any anyone on the pitch. He, yeah. re- he really buys into what Everton is all about, and on top of that, he's an absolutely quality footballer. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what you want to write. Some there's some hits and some misses. What I'm saying is that one of the accusations made, you know, and not just in this podcast, but what in the wider world is that our I don't know how many players you bought in the last two years, would it be 15, 20, something like that? How many of them could you hand on heart and say, how many of them are worth? Yeah. I mean, there's still time for quite a few of them, to be fair. And how many of the successes, in inverted commas, of those has been because, Adam mentioned Sigurdsson there, and obviously it's it's in him anyway, but they've come from clubs that struggled. Now, Idrissa guy's been largely a hit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gilfie's another one. Williams' first season was good. Obviously, he's, he's he's had his problems this season. But do you think there is something in that buying from from clubs and from players from clubs who, who've had to go through tough times rather than buying from yeah. from your, yeah. your peers or from the the, the the guys who fall out from the top clubs and and, yeah. and picking up? I don't know. Is that is there something in that? Well, well, when when you're cherry picking, like we're we're obviously cherry picking some of these clubs' best mm. players. Yeah, and to be. The best players out of those clubs, you know, you've got to have a battle in you. Yeah. So I think I think yeah, it is in a sense because if you if you're buying from someone who is like maybe not getting into one of the top clubs, it could it could be a plethora of different reasons. They could not be trying and training, they couldn't be performing on the pitch, etc. Like when you're buying from these bottom bottom half clubs, you know you're getting a, a, a someone who's up for a scrap. Have, yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. I've just have the days gone though of of Everton going to the championship and buying the best players <laughs> well if it's good enough for Spurs with Deli Alley it's, it's uh, you know it's good enough for Everton I mean going back to the, what I'd say nervous is like spot on is like that you know going back to Moyes uh, Jags are just being relegated yes mm-hmm. Les Scott I don't think he played the season Wolves went down Baines was in a struggling team at Wigan you know mm-hmm. so there, there was there was his his defence, you know that that um, sort of shaped shaped the last four or five years of his Everton, you know, not counting last couple, but there for four or five years at least together. Um, but, 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 but those type of signers that you're talking about. As for buying from the Championship, yeah, if the player's good enough, mm. I don't see why why you wouldn't be. Why wouldn't you? But yeah. then you look at we signed Adam Ola Lockman from the Championship, and well, yeah. you, well. He's yeah, a good kid, isn't he? Yeah, well, one sign, and I think we just just like to, without going back to Saturday, in sort of just particular, but Tosin mm. just generally over the last two games, two goals. Yeah, I mean, I've said it and number of times, and wrote a piece this morning. I think that I think when we look at Tosin and we judge him and assess him going forward, he is not Rom's replacement. No. Because Romelu was a far more complete and inverted common striker, so it's what part of Rom's game have we replaced by bringing in Tosin? And for me, it's it's got to be in the box because everything else yeah. is pale imitation. Is he's not an athlete? He's not going to run the channels. He's not going to hold off defenders. All that sort of stuff. No. So clearly, what I've found and what I've seen in the last two matches and what I've heard from from inside Finch Farm and at training, give him half a chance, and more times out, you know, than not. He's going to hit the back of the net. Yeah, I just, I think he's right, but I think he's got some aspects to his game that Rom maybe hasn't got. Like his sort of movement in the area, and I think he's a little bit of a cleverer. Yeah, I think his first touch is better than Rom. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, but, but, but maybe yeah. for somebody that that's how he that's that's where he uh, yeah. you know that's another facet of him in the box because Rom, I think he his touch got better, uh, but I yeah. appreciate what you're saying, but. 
he would get more chances when it was in front of him, yeah. running on and, and what have you. But Tosin doesn't have that yeah. in his locker, well, does well, he? Well, I, you know, it is relevant because I think we sat here in the podcast two weeks ago, didn't we? I mean, we me and you fell in particular were saying like we were a bit worried about whether he, you know, this season at least whether he's going to make it. There's a few comments on, you know, quite right. You know, people tweeted in about it whether we were too premature and writing them off and he scored two and two he obviously listened to the podcast himself didn't he <laughs> but what I, what, I, what I liked about him is two goals he scored two completely different goals yes mm. just needs you know, a left foot one on yeah, the yeah, yeah. Yeah. he's got you know, a perfect trio real, real <laughs> opportunity you read the, the goal with Ben you read the goal well yes where, that, where the ball's going yeah you anticipated it and the one where we all like to see fit, you know control in the box made space for himself in the box you know, blasted yeah. it off the bar and two completely different goals, which I think is a good sign. Yeah. Um sign of somebody who's actually got a bit of variety in the area and that was that I'm being well pleased what I've seen from the last two games from the, from mm. what do you think Ad? Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I, I can only only yeah. your views. Like I, th- I think he's he's looked a different player over the last couple of weeks than the one who was before he was rested, before the winter mm. before like the uh, warm weather training camp. I think he, he looks he looks fitter, he looks sharper, he looks stronger, he looks more in tune with the rest of his teammates around him. It's not just it's not just him in the box for me. I think he brings other people into play a lot. And I think before before Sigurdsson's injury, I think he was linking up really well with Sigurdsson. Mm. It's a bit of a shame that obviously the injuries happened and we're not going to be able to see that. Well, presumably not for the next few weeks anyway. So it'll be interesting to see how we end up replacing that in the team. Yeah, so that brings us on to obviously the uh, the disappointing news to be confirmed, but certainly looking like it's going to be disappointing that Guilford Sigerson on Monday evening had to go for a scan uh, to reveal the true extent of a knee injury, which he played on with uh, for the best part of 70 minutes on Saturday. Um, Sam Allardyce described it as a knock afterwards in the press conference, but obviously it looks far more serious than that. Uh, feedback from the club last night was, prior to official confirmation, was that they were sort of urging a little bit more caution in terms of it would be more weeks than months, but weeks, as they said in their statement, could be several. And so there's probably quite a high chance that we won't see him again in Royal Blue this season. Um, Gav, how do you, how do Everton c- cope without him for the final eight games? How do they set up? Who comes in as number 10? Who can fill in about six different positions as Guilfrey can? <laughs> what does Sam do on Saturday to start with? Uh, cry, I think, would be the starting point. Um, first of all, what I would say about it is I'm gutted for for the simple reason, well, for two reasons. One, you know, he's probably been our best outfielder this season. I know he's had a bit of stick because of the fee that's been paid, but that's not his problem. In terms of, like, as you say, the effort and quality that he's shown. Uh, I think he's been our best outfielder pound for pound this year. What why I'm really gutted is that probably like yourselves have been screaming all season for him to play just behind the striker in the middle rather than being shifted out left. We're okay, he's done okay and he's been able to get crosses in and stuff. I think he does does his best work when he's playing between the two posts of, of the opposition goal in, in that area of the pitch. And I haven't got Balassi back and Walcott back together for the you know with natural width for the first time the season on on Saturday was that I'm not you know that was probably one of the first games I can't remember you know where he's done that and um, as a result we got better balanced but now with the injury it's it, you know you 
it always happens to the players sometimes the players that you could least afford to lose and I think there's a there's a problem there in that I, I can't see a natural solution for it unless you bring maybe classing in but Oh, I mean, I don't because I don't think you want to play way in there. I feel like you've got to change system. Yeah, change the system. I, yeah. I feel like losing Sigurdsson is a massive blow. I think he brings something that nobody else in the Everton squad has. Like, no, not only can he see a tough pass, he's got the quality to pick out that tough pass, and he's got we all know the quality from twenty-five yards. He can just get you the goal out of absolutely nowhere. And I don't think we've really got. No. I think Rooney's probably the closest, mm. but I'd rather see him playing in that yeah, deeper role. Yeah. I think he f- yeah. fits fits better. What yeah. what myself and Adam Gav were discussing yesterday in the office, just chatting away, and we uh, something to think somebody had mentioned online, and I, I was kind of in full agreement and saying maybe they've got to change, tweak formation a little bit. I think you've got to keep Wayne deep because that's his, that's the future or short term future for the rest of his yeah. career. So why rip it up for the rest of the eight eight games this season? Because Lo and behold, we're not we're not going to go down now. You know, like that. any any lingering threat was extinguished. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So my my suggestion would be four two three one ish. But the number ten is an old fashioned number ten, and it's Calvert Lewin. And you play him as the guy that holds the ball up. Tosin is the guy that feeds off him. Yeah. You've got your runners either side, and because the newfangled number ten, so Sigurdsson was almost a bit of a hybrid in many respects because he could do a bit of everything. Yeah. But if you said to somebody, the, the modern football fan of a certain generation on the street, what does a number ten look like? It's David Silver, isn't it? It's the it's the low centre of gravity type player. Yeah. A bit more of your classes, but I'm saying, well, let's play Calvert Lewin, and let's almost play two up front. Mm. Yeah. Well, it depends. You know, there's some. Some systems work better for others than others, mm. don't they? You know, against Man City at home, it'll probably be like 10 0 0, won't it? You know, there is, there is the option of playing, which I do, but I've said before, if you're going to play Wayne deep, is that I think you can do in some games like Saturday with the opposition sit deep, sit deep and he's got loads of space to play into, um, to pick his passes. Where it becomes more awkward, the Wayne is if he gets crowded a little bit mm. and he does tend to lose the ball. Um, bit of a surprise, really. And I said that ideally against a lot of teams, especially away from home, was play Wayne with two other midfielders either side and like Guy and I don't we've got our options are really limited there. Guy and, and Tom Davis probably, probably yeah. yeah. Guy and Tom Davis. Uh, and then play then play three at the front where you play Tosin and Balassi and Walcott, Walcott, probably, yeah. 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 Would would that would, would to me which I, I always think that looks I'm not a great fan of 4 2 3 one, to be honest with you. That seems, and for me, it's always seen the more natural fit for us, the players that we've got, but we very rarely play it. Uh, and I think, taking account what Adam's saying about Wayne's best position and, and the injury and stuff, I, I would say that that would possibly be our best configuration, but it depends on who you're playing against. You know, against Huddersfield at home, with yeah. all due respect, or Southampton at home, you may want to change it where you, you play 4 2 3 1, but 4 3 3, I like, I like that with. With Wayne and two two deeper midfielders, I think playing Calvert Lewin it would be the best way to get this this same result out of Tosin was as if he was playing with Sigurdsson. I do think Tosin needs somebody close to him, somebody somebody to play one twos with, somebody who can hold the ball up maybe yeah. for him. I think that's that's the way he's going to work best. I think Calvert Lewin's probably the best way to to bring that in. And it's a it's a good way to get Calvert Lewin back into the team, to be honest. Because I think at the start of the season he was probably one of our better players, 
there's a shout well, for me I think he's been our, our best outfield player like, yeah. rather than Sigurdsson I, I, I would make the arguments for Calvert-Lewin because he's, he's impressed me more than anyone over, else over the season just stick on Calvert-Lewin something I've been thinking about for a while and I think it was mentioned at the start of the week in one of the Nationals I can't remember but Gareth Southgate names his latest England squad on Thursday is it a completely mad shout to say he's got to consider Calvert-Lewin as an option no for me <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't think yeah, that's crazy. I've been bit for all the well, years. Dom, Dom Solanke got called up to the last one. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, if Dom Solanke's getting called up, Calvert-Lewin should absolutely just, be there. Just a general thing for me. It's mm. a bit of an old-timer, like when England caps were, were uh, oh, well, highly prized. You know, like confetti, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, days, yeah. It, it, the, the, the concern I have is on that is, A, it beggars belief with the national team that you're sort of fishing in the pond for players who are hardly proven at Premier League level. Um, that's the, that's a worrying thing for English football, isn't it? For a start, the second thing is does a stunt of players' development and their ambition if it if it's given to them that easily? Um, I don't think that's good. Um, the, 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 the other thing with Calvert Lewin, which is a bit more of, of an argument in his favour, is he obviously played last year, didn't he, for the under mm, 20s? Mm. And we've been saying for, it, for for a number of years we need to follow the German model of promoting players through the uh, through the age groups mm. through to the national team. So th- there's a certain logic that you would. I mean, mm. there's some players who've, who've played, who've gone through the German system, who've not necessarily been first choice for the Bundesliga teams if they've been. Being, being being successful at underage, so I it drives me mad when we get to that as an option. But we are where we are on as they say. I think yeah. there's going to be the space yeah. there, though, isn't there? Like, yeah, yeah. by all accounts, Harry Kane might well be injured, might need so no, the I, space opens up. But for me, for me, for me, it's the it's the sort of every two year discussion leading into a major tournament where they go, well, who's the option? And inevitably, Andy Carroll's name gets brought up. <laughs> now, Peter Crouch has been brought up seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so what I'm saying is, and now I, I'm in agreement with you, Gav, on many yeah. levels of what you said there. But I'm saying. If this England manager is thinking like every other England manager and thinking, right, if it's, if push comes to shove and we're struggling and we need a goal and I need to throw a bigger lad on, is he is he the top of the list? That's what I'm yeah, saying. You know, I mean, yeah, of course. Maybe not top of the list, but he's obviously part of the discussion, yeah. which I haven't got a problem about. I just think it's a disappointing discussion. Um, it's disappointed in me, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, not this. You know what I mean? It's just, it's you know, it's it's largely mad when I see players over the years who yes. didn't even get an England cap. You know, genuinely, you know, Howard never got a cap, did he? You know, players who got one cap, um, and I just think it, it's it's wrong, and and it, it it's that thing about younger players being given to and on a plate you know even going through the academy level that's all laid on to them I just don't think it's good for the development I'm not sure he'd be giving it to him on a plate I think he's players you would expect players if they got in the England team to have played Premier League football or league football for three or four years at a decent decent level before you Wayne Rooney hadn't well, Wayne, Wayne was a special case, wasn't he? Yeah, very much a special well, case, wasn't he? You know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I take your point. There's not, maybe it's a bit of a generalisation. You know, you're not going to leave Wayne in 2002, 2006 <laughs> to pick him for the first time. I know what you're saying. There are, there are cases who were genuinely, t- I mean, Gerard, I think probably only was Ashley Cole. Harry Kane probably season. hadn't Harry Kane done, yeah. So I'm, I'm probably arguing against myself. But in, in, if you're not in that really top, super talented bunch of players, then I think 
you know, you really need to mm. show that you're capable of playing for two or three years, mm. four years in the, in the Premier League. Um, but it'd be interesting, you know. Mm. I just wonder. I just wonder. Uh, somebody who has played for England many times, whether he deserves to get more caps than he did, is a podcast for another week. But thankfully now, for all those Evertonians, he will be focusing purely on Everton. That's Leighton Baines. Um, we started the pod saying it could become the Leighton Baines Appreciation Podcast. Adam, how well did Leighton play against Brighton? How big um, was his return? It's almost like he'd never been away, hasn't he? He just he just slotted straight back in, and it it just shows how much we've been missing that natural left back. You know, just someone who is up and down the line. He's constantly got the vision to bring the winger into play, overlapping left footed crosses. Even though his assist came with his right foot, yeah, yeah. you know so, some of the raking balls that he played. Like I think he played one in particular in the first half, which took out essentially the whole Brighton team. Just with a, with a long ball, like we've been missing that kind of that kind of quality on the left hand side, and it just like as Gab was talking about before, balance just brought that balance with Seamus mm. Coleman doing the exact same down the right hand side. It just it, it felt like we'd gone back to where we should have been with our fullbacks, and it was much better to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I can say what, but I'm saying totally agree. Like over the balance, and it was like having an old friend back. You know, how bad the fact that James only just come back. Um, it's an interesting one, really. Um, in that, like Lane's contract, has he got one till next year? I think it's. It? I think it's up summer of 2019. Yeah, yeah, it's like what is immediate term future is with Evan when we look to replace him during the summer, or will we just keep on playing? Mm. You know, if if fit. Um, I agree. I mean, he. It was an interesting article. I think I think Chris Beasley on Sunday mentioned about claim Chris claim Chris opinion that Leighton's Evans greatest ever left back. Which is a leap of faith. <laughs> but the first thing what I would say is I think to be to be in any any conversation with, with Ray Wilson who won the World Cup yeah. with England, you know, it was a Rolls Royce of a fall back. I think if if you, and there's a genuine conversation to be had there, I think uh, I think that shows testimony to, to, to Leighton's quality and, and also the fact that you know that full backs role has changed so much over the last even 10, 20 years, hasn't it? So he's been a quality, quality player, class act on and off the pitch. Uh, great to see him on the pitch John, on Saturday. And I look forward to hopefully seeing a lot more of him over the you know over the next twelve months because we do we do miss him and and, and and again I think that was part of the crowd's reaction on yeah. on Saturday that was linked with Jag starting, Seamus starting, Lane starting. Yeah. Local lad and the you, comfort you get, the comfort yeah, yeah. of something familiar almost, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, which is yeah. what what we need mm. and what we need in the last seven or eight games of the season, to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and like I mean, mate, mate said to me this morning, we had this conversation, he said I mean mate told him he said that we compared him late with Ray Wilson and he said that because Ray Ray sort of came to Evan at the tail end of his career that if you if you judge him solely as an Everton player then late over the 10 years has to be Evan's yeah. best ever left back you know in terms of performances of the club you know Ray Wilson was a better left back yes you know because he played a lot of his career at Huddersfield but as if you say judging somebody on their performance as, a, as an Everton, 
Evan player in that position and he would have to be our greatest ever left back um, and I, I wouldn't argue against that point. I'd say I'd throw Pat van den Ammen to the mix there um, but yeah and there's not many Evan players in the Premier League either like you can you can say that about can you really not at all he's, yeah. he's been their best best player in their position play for the club there's only Brett, probably, Brett Angel yeah one, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 you know in fact the argument say because Nev, Nev was pre-Premier League that he's you know, probably the only Everton player of the Premier League era. You might maybe throw Seamus in there as well, to be mm. fair. Mm. Of uh, who would get a mention in the club's yes. club's best ever, you know, player in that position, yeah. which is again, you know, testimony to, to his long longevity and, and quality that he's brought. And it shows how much we our system over the last few years has been based around these fullbacks. Like it's it's Seamus and Leighton who yeah, you yeah, say, yeah. you're saying again it, Getting put in such yeah. such esteemed company, yeah. And it, it, it's because it's because we are so set up to have these marauding, overlapping fullbacks. So yeah, so much better. To and see and that Martinez back. got the best best out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, it was great to see them. Though you know, aging a little bit, obviously, but like all family friends, you know, like, you know. So, so so go on then. Um, what is the forgotten man in this discussion? Luke Garbutt now thinking he had and has had that reintegration back into the first team for Baines he was still out Martina was up and down there was there was maybe a chink of light an opportunity for him there Baines is now back looked like he'd never been away Luke wasn't in the squad on Saturday what what can we guess yeah, he's, I, he's yeah thinking I'll, 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 a couple of things there about Baines before we go on to Luke Garbutt is I'll caveat that so after the Liverpool Man City games, I'll have a look at that again because you know, like, be slightly you know, bright at home, um, you know, you know, notwithstanding like nearly getting cut in too bad here, uh, the touchline. Uh, Brighton, um, Brighton, yeah, did did, uh, did cut the figure of a team who would just who thought who think last week's result had yeah, kept, yeah. kept the ball. So the judge, the judge, the judge, you know, uh, against Liverpool and Man City. Um, but it's a class act anyway and it was good to see him back well Garber you'd be saying what are my options here yeah. but I've got an option here that's all at the club which is rather sad for a player who five or six years ago was really highly thought of mm. indeed linked with moved to other Premier League clubs wasn't he yeah. you know? um, and he's lost lost his way and that, that's always the worrying thing when players lose the way why did he do it? Because obviously, I thought he was a really half decent player. Mm. Uh, Dad, what do you feel Luke will be looking at now? And you know, eight games of a season to go, and he, more likely than not, he'll 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 finish another season as a member of an Everton squad, but having not played. Mm. I think it's a shame for him. Like, with eight games to go with the season, you can you can bet in training he's targeting getting some sort of appearance. Like, just say we're well, we're not really gonna be moving anywhere else in the Premier League table I'd say like, probably finish around mid-table these last few games could be a potential to shake up the squad a bit give a few pay- players a bit of a chance maybe maybe he could come in and play a couple of games but beyond that you've got you've, you've got to wonder whether there's a future there for him at Everton he, he, he did look good in was it Martin as a second season yes 14-15 in, in, yeah, in Europa League in the Europa yeah. League especially you put in some really good performances but it was those low moves you know that move to Wigan move to Fulham like not not getting into championships teams was 
Yeah, and had injury really problems as well, hasn't he? Yeah. 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 There's, there's a wider discussion there, isn't there, about, and you touched on uh, Luckman before, mm. is um, moves haven't really done a lot of good for, for a lot of heavens played seasons, over the last yeah. three or four years. Yeah, yeah. Mohamed Bessic yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> but for defenders, not yeah. only down to. Yeah. Galloway. Galloway. Tyus is injured. Tyus is injured and yeah. been part of a struggling team. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's an interesting one that why why it's not John Joe Kenny would say otherwise he went to Oxford and played yeah. played at Wembley and fair dues yeah there'd be a list of about four players where it's work for like oh. but, yeah but going back to the point it, it goes back to what I was saying do, do we need a proper young left back in the summer or yeah. are we going to it may depend on who the you know Kiwa Bainsey may depend on the, who the manager is I think a couple of seasons ago was the time to really start thinking about a replacement for Baines I think we've I think we I think we've put this off club, too long I think the club did but they're trying to do it on the cheap mm. yeah. and trying to gamble with young players that may or may not work I mean to be fair there's always been other priorities hasn't there like we've always had like yeah. well we really need a winger or we really need a striker and like it's all, like I feel like left back has always been like a second or third priority, but, but, but it's been there. But, for a but few that's years. caused that's caused us a problem, though, hasn't yeah. it? Because when the players are being injured, we've ended up playing. Yeah. You know, we've had Bessis playing right back, haven't we? Yeah, um, Wembley. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So what what's that? What that has done is has meant that we've been cut short of fullbacks in both yeah. positions for probably going back to Martinez's last season at least. So part of why the squad, indeed. Uh, Reconstruction, isn't it, the summer? Indeed. Yeah. Uh, just before we wrap up, uh, just before we convened the uh, Royal Blue podcast table, uh, we put out a story um, saying Steve Walsh uh, is continuing to push the case for Everton in the summer to try for Jamie Vardy. Now, obviously, there's a significant caveat of whether Steve Walsh will still be yeah. in the football club. Obviously, his position is, is under review and, and under a degree of threat, as we understand it. Um, is Jamie Vardy the the answer? Thirty one year old, by the way. I was surprised to see that when I checked that out earlier. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, still looking good though. Yeah, well, yeah. great finish on Saturday. The, there's quality there's two that. things to say about that. If Jamie Vardy's, Vardy's the answer, what's the question? Bear in mind, we've got toast enough fronts at the moment. Well, uh, how badly lacking uh, our Everton for pace? pace yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean. It's like, you know, we've just spent twenty seven million quid or whatever, whatever the exchange rate is on one striker. I mean, if you only play one up front, you know, what does that mean? But I, I love Fardy. I think he's, uh, he's, you know, when they look at him, think, for one reason, you know, why is your career being wasted yeah. for somebody who's 31? Mm. Is that, like, he uses the ball well. I'd say he's got pace and he can finish, both in terms of, like, Fox in the box finishes, or fuck, you know, literally in this case, uh, <laughs> uh, or you know, spectacular goals like yeah. he scored on Saturday, get going against Liverpool in the Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can score spectacular goals. And I'm thinking, you know, you've had a way. How how's it taken for you to in your late twenties to show that you're absolutely, mm. you know, for the name, you're talking about Carver Lewin, say Miles better player. Yes, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. You know, Miles better, and you're you're uh, you know, it's only now. In the late twenties, early thirties, what's gone wrong with English football? Where you've been you no, know, sometimes it's lifestyle stuff that goes into it, and I, I, I love him. Um, I, I buy him. I know people say he's thirty-one, but it's that mileage on the clock, isn't it? Mm. Actually, the mar- the mileage on the clock is is not that great. Yeah, 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 and there's yeah. people like I don't know how old they might play till he was probably like a, somebody came reasonably late into yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Ian Wright was probably still playing for Arsenal, maybe 33. Yeah, two. You know, to a reasonably good standard. I hope to God Dennis Bergkamp playing behind him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bergkamp so, make me look yeah, after yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But sometimes play, players who start late, and he still looks pretty fit, mm. to be fair. He's a rake, yeah. isn't he? He's, he's not, he's not going to lose that pace in the next six months. And caveated around fees and wages and, as I say, well, what's our broader yeah. you know, transfer policy? I'd there, uh, I'd snap, snap. That'd be hand off to buy him. Well, he's certainly somebody that Walsh keeps bringing up in the, in those meetings. Uh, Everton, Adam, do you agree with Gav? Is, would he be the answer? Do we have to look and think wider and, and less narrow? And, and he, you know, he would he'd fall into the category of an obvious mm. an obvious target, I suppose, in many respects. Yeah, I, I I personally think we need to look a bit wider. I think the price definitely would worry me. Yeah. Like, I mean, if he, yeah, what are Leicester asking? You yeah, know? if he's even, gonna, even, they're going to be asking for over 30 mil. Oh, and the rest. Yeah, and, and the rest. Caveated, that's what I caveated. Well, like, that, like, I, I just think it's unrealistic for the price he, that, like, that we pay for him. Yeah, you know, looking ahead, you know, many things happen, it wouldn't happen, but if, if Evan got into a position where they went to the summer, right, we're going for him. It's another club record signing. Mm. Yeah. So what we pay forty odd million for for, for Gilfie, minimum sixty, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. Is if you said to me, would you buy Jamie yeah, Vardy yeah. award? But I caveat it yeah. by like what the fee was. If, yeah. if you know, up to a certain fee, I would. Up to a certain fee, I wouldn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? I suspect from what you're saying is uh, it, we're going to the latter. I, mean, I get what you're saying about mileage as well, but paying paying that much and then. You get a thirty-one-year-old striker who's so reliant on pace. Like, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not sure it's it, it's yeah, sustainable. Gamble, like the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. age does does stick with me. And I don't know. Like, I'm not. I'm not saying he, he's not a good player. He's obviously like a quality striker. He can score some outrageous goals. He's hard working. He's he is full of pace, but no, <laughs> for the for the price that it would be. We, we can't we've got I think we've got to be looking elsewhere okay yeah it's well argued yeah. interesting yeah. very good so we'll leave it there for this week's Royal Blue Podcast we'll uh, meet again towards the end of the week to preview whisper it another away game <laughs> 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 should pretend it's a good and yeah. maybe things will change but we'll we'll get back around the table uh, later in the week to look to a trip to the Britannia a place that has recently hasn't been too bad for us you know given that it's been historically um Sorry, the Bet365 Gav reminded me. They'll be on the phone. It's not the Britannia anymore. Uh, we'll be uh, reviewing, the, so previewing that game and uh, obviously looking at Sam Alice's press conference later this week and hopefully we'll come back to you with some news, hopefully more positive, on Gilfie Sigerson. So thank you very much for listening and joining once again and stay with the Echo for all the best news analysis on the Blues.